Hi, this is Zach. And this is Patrick. And welcome to Pipecast. Where we pipe up for pipes and pipe down for what? Well, the cold returned. It always comes back. How are you going to go from 75 to 30? That's like mm-hmm. a 45 degree drop and not expect to catch the flu. That's life in Alabama. <laughs> the weather here is so forgetful. Can't even remember from day to day. But outside of the weather, how's your week been? Making it. Just just work. That's good. Work stuff. How about you? It's been actually pretty terrible. Yeah. This was a long one. I did not enjoy anything that was going on this week. But uh, I survived it. So yeah, that's all you can do sometimes. Just bear down. Survived for the next bowl. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think I was going to be able to smoke this Friday. I'd caught some sort of bug on Monday, and then it sort of just ran through the week. I just barely am making it today. But, uh, you know, you cough in a handkerchief, and you try to keep everyone safe from germs, and then hopefully you're rewarded with a uh, bowl full of tobacco during the pipe cast. Yeah, yeah. So what are you smoking? This is some something you gave me, uh, L.J. Peretti, number oh. number eight slices. There you go. Uh, it's pretty nice. I mean, it's what'd you say earlier? It had a toasted marshmallow kind of smell. When you lit it up, it smells like toasted marshmallows to me. Mm. Mm. It's nice. Did you like it? I loved it. Mm. Shout out to uh, Eldridge Pipes for turning me on to it. I don't know if he's listening, but um, he gives stellar reviews. And, uh, you know, if he says it's good, you know, uh, it seems to me that uh, my taste buds completely align with his. So, mm. buddy, keep on uh, keep on keeping on because I'm going to keep listening to you and you can just keep directing me to the fine tobaccos of the world. Mm-hmm. So what are you smoking it in? This is old, uh, this old Boswell, little nose warmer I got a couple, maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, little old fellow, he got a tiny, he's got a little bit smaller bowl, so I may have to do maybe a bowl and a half tonight. There you go. Sometimes you just got to add on. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it ends up being a kind of week like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I spent many a nights thinking I was going to smoke a bowl and end up smoking five. Oh, God. Again, that's an addiction. That is an addiction. But it's an addiction I'm proud of, so I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you got that you smoke? All right. On? So, I got uh, something you let loaned out to me. I'm smoking uh, Dunbar. Esoterica in a uh, Sir Jacobo uh, Picto pipe, which is based off, uh, I think it's based off a, let's see here, it's written here, a, so they had, they had this series that they came out with, and uh, they based a lot of their pipes on paintings, famous paintings, Um, and this one, I think, is based on a Picto Miro uh, number one. It's a Hawkbill, really pretty pipe. It's one of my favorite looking pipes that I own. Um, 
I always swore that I would go back. I've got two pictos, but I really wanted the, um, oh my goodness, this is, this is actually going to kill me on the inside if I can't remember this. There's a famous painting, and I'm not 100% sure if it's, um, the painting's called The Pipe. It might actually be the slogan painted on it. Um, it's a Nessis Pipe, which is, this is not a pipe, and it's a painting of a pipe by Magritte, who is a surrealist painter. Um, actually saw the pipe, I believe, in Chicago. But it might have been New York. But um, it's a, just kind of a, you know, it's a painting, it's not a pipe, and I, I don't want to go into, like, what the, <laughs> the meaning of the painting is, but it's a very distinct pipe, and Sir Jacobo, who I guess are connoisseurs of fine art, uh, crafted pipes to mimic those paintings, and uh, I've got a, um, I got this one, and uh, and another one um, that's based off a, uh, a Van Gogh painting, and... Um, I think you've seen it. It's that little craggly with the kind of a stiletto hilt. Oh yeah. So, uh, but I would like to get a hold of that uh, that one by Magritte one day. One day. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, this Dunbar pretty good. So I guess it's kind of a vapory kind of day, a vapory kind of night, which is always my go-to stand-in pipe tobacco. Um, you know, when yeah. I don't really know what I want to smoke. Sometimes I think Englishes can be so overbearing, or Latakia base, yeah, as yeah. we say, are so overbearing sometimes. And the same thing with kind of the lot or Balkan blends, where you just have everything. I just sometimes I just want something with like kind of the sweetness of the Virginia, and then like kind of a peppery aftertaste of the Perique. So it's kind of the it will always be my go-to blend. Yeah, I think. Uh... Yeah, yeah, vapors are definitely, um, like, refreshing in a way, I guess, uh, of all the different blends that we talk about. It it seems the most, maybe, summery, I guess, like, it's just real fresh, uh, refreshing, and um, uh, not to say that they're, I don't think, uh, lesser bodied, but it's still just a freshness to them. I agree with that. Um, I definitely look at a vapor as a spring or fall blend. I think of my Lakeland and aromatic tobaccos as sort of my summer mm, blends. Mm, mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, an English blend will always be something that I mess around with in the wintertime. I always want to have a very firm English with a, you know, a couple scotches in front of a fire. It's just, uh, it's like they were all supposed to be made together i guess it just has something to do with all that smokiness in just one sitting you know the smoky of the latakia the smoky of the scotch and the smoke of the actual fire so that is that is a perfect evening hmm. if it's cold it's got to be cold enough though yeah and today would be that day mm-hmm. almost it's and i you know it's one of those things i've been, <clears throat> been noticing as your intermediary months or your intermediary seasons, spring and fall, have, they seem to be getting uh, shorter as far as the weather. Um, but there always seems to be a point where whether, whether it's summer heading into fall 
or it's winter heading into spring where things uh, either um, start, you know, either heating up or cooling down, and then it will it will revert back, and it's almost as, it's almost worse than it was before, even if the degrees aren't as extreme, just because you got used to, you know, the little bit of that little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Like you'd be hitting with a constant just constant cold uh, in the winter, and then you have a good weekend where you know. Like like it was last week. I mean, it was what it hit the sixties. It was definitely sixty five on Saturday. Yeah, so it hit the sixties, but now it's gone back, and now we're in the we're like in the forties again, thirties and forties, and it definitely isn't the coldest it's been all winter, but it feels worse just because we had that little taste of, you know, mm-hmm. warmness. And again, like I said, it, that works with when your summer going in the fall too. Right. Like you'll hit a really cool weekend in like September, and then right before October it'll get hot again all of a sudden, or may, or maybe it's August going into September, but it it, it gets hot uh, one more time and it feels awful. There's always a fake out in August where the temperature drops down okay. to about sixty. Um, no one ever believes me either, but uh, they're like, nah, it's it's fall, and I was like, it's it's August twentieth, so it's absolutely not fall. It's about to fake you out and go straight back into summer. You just had a, like a minor cool spell. That's it. And then it does every time. And then everyone has to put up all their sweaters and Ugg boots. Mm-hmm. Ugg boots. You got a pair? I don't know if I got a pair. I might. You have to go investigate my closet. It might be my wife's. <laughs> you can say that all you want to. So maybe, Maybe at the end of this episode we'll treat the people with... Your rug story. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, it's, not, it's not a very good story, <laughs> but uh, it, it, uh, I, did, I did acquire a pair. I'll t- I'll t- I can tell it now. I acquired a pair of Ugg boots while I was in Afghanistan, uh, which is, well, to say the least, is a very masculine environment, and Ugg boots are not a very masculine attire. Um, I had been going through various um, house slipper type shoes because they have a a grit that they lay out to kind of keep the ground from becoming soggy or wet or mud and they lay this grit out and it just it will absolutely tear through shoes so I was on my fourth pair and they're about 20 bucks a pop and I was like good grief I've spent 80 bucks is there something more durable I'd rather put in the cash now instead of like going through another pair of shoes. So hopped on the internet and the old Google machine and then tried to decipher what would be the best pair of house slippers or, you know, some sort of warm shoe because the winters in Afghanistan uh, are pretty extreme. I and mean, we got like four foot of snow. My door froze completely solid and it's just constant wind. I mean, you're up in the Hindu Kush, you know, people kind of forget. They kind of see it as a deserty. Mm-hmm. more of a desert it's more of a high desert like just sort mm-hmm. of arid and high and cold and you, know, you get snow but anyway i digress so i jumped on and they said you know the most durable reliable house shoe you can own are ugg boots so i said i, I kind of deliberated about it for a little bit and i threw uh caution to the wind and ordered a pair and the way it works is, is when you order something in another country in a war zone, you, it comes to an APO address. And it takes about 
10 to 14 days to ship out to you and then get to uh, wherever you're, you're located at. And I was watching, uh, I was watching very, very carefully um, because I knew that if our guy went to the store or went to the post office, he'd get it, he'd put it in and I could acquire it and, and slip quickly into my room um, before anyone noticed. And the thing is, is like in between the office where they house the packages and my room, uh, or a little bit past my room, or was my room, and then out a little ways was a gazebo. And the gazebo, everyone would, would kind of sit out there and smoke cigars or cigarettes or whatever and kind of unwind from the day. And a lot of people, they would be picking up their packages, and it be, kind of became this show-and-tell for adults where um, people would get their various items, some more interesting than others. I remember... Uh, one of my favorites was a um, a very complicated uh, um, what is it called a uh, it's not a duvet it's a what is it called when you put on the toilet oh uh, you haven't said yeah, it, I haven't said it yet. <laughs> a bidet a bidet a bidet I said a duvet that's on a bed <laughs> no one ordered duvets unfortunately but uh, someone had ordered a very complicated bidet from Japan that would uh, you would fill it with soap and it was electronic so it would you would use the restroom it was it had a seat warmer on it because all electric and then it would come out soap your bum <laughs> rinse it out with water that you had had to kind of use a splitter hose on to get the water into into that then it would blow dry your butt <laughs> And then it would it would retract back in and then sanitize the seat for the next person. Oh, it was really complex. It was really cool. It was though. like a commercial kind. Yeah, of like really complicated. Day. And then um, <laughs> and then uh, a couple of really inventive sex toys I saw there, uh, which is always kind of alarming when you see that. You're like, well, I know where that's about to go, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. But anyway, the point was is that it was a masculine, male-dominated show-and-tell. There weren't very many females uh, in our compound, and, and we had the craziest things. But I knew that, sorry, to get back to my story, I knew I had to sneak that package in quickly into my room so no one would ask me because they would make me bring out what I got and show it because it's sort of a, a way of passing the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's sort of your way of getting back to a normal life is to sort of, do the things, play cards, smoke, just share items in your life because you're not at home. And, uh, you know, that's sort of like, you know, kind of a, a way to normalize everything that you're dealing with. And we were working in minefields, so it was always relatively stressful. So anyway, I zip in, and I can't remember the reason. It was like day 13. I, had, I needed to get to my room first to drop off all my equipment. Um, and then I could run back to the office and, and see if the package was there. So I get out of the car, I throw in my backpack, I got this other box in my hand, because um, I was going to be working from my room that evening to get some stuff uh, finished up. And um, before I could get onto the footpath heading towards my room, I heard this door kick open, and it was Mark. And he was this super cool uh, Cockney English guy, and he had this really thick accent. Um and uh, he was really loud. And I remember when the door flung open, I heard, Oi, Zach, your boots are here. 
And everyone in that gazebo turned around and busted out laughing because Mark had this freaking Ugg box above his head, and it literally said Ugg across of it or whatever. <laughs> and then, so I'm like, well, here's this walk of shame or whatever. I go to my room with all that laughter from the gazebo, have to walk back, pick up the box, and then do the walk of shame to the gazebo and show off my Ugg boots. <laughs> but let me tell you, after I went through the shame of that, I wore them everywhere I went. I was like, well, it can't get much worse than this. Yeah, might as well wear them now. Yeah, so it's now I'm just stuck with it. And then they'd ask all these stupid questions like, um, how's it, you know, they would ask the, what was the thing they would always ask? they go, um, how's the surfing this morning was a question I'd always get. Or, um, you know, like just random stuff that they knew about these stupid Ugg boots that I guess have more of a surfer history to them. And I would just have to contend with this the whole time. And I dealt, I worked with a lot of British folks. Sorry, this is this is droning on. <laughs> no, go but ahead. I, 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 uh, I worked with a lot of British folks, and they're all super cool and laid back. And I, I really do miss hanging out with them and associating with them. But um, they would, uh, I remember they always say, you know, like that kind of uh, dry uh, British wit. And sometimes, you know, it could be that way, but sometimes it could just be so silly and stupid um, that it would just get on your nerves, you know, about how ridiculous it was. I remember one day I, you would wake up, I'd wake up on Sunday. Sunday was the only day I had off and I'd wake up, you had to get up fairly early to get breakfast or you'd miss and you had to wait till lunch. So I'd wake up and I didn't really want to, you didn't really want to get out. I'd go make a plate and bring it back to my room and scarf it down and then fall back asleep and then I'd be up around lunch again. But I would make my way to the footpath, and you would have to go by the gazebo. And these uh, two fellows, Mark, one up being one of them, and uh, his his comrade Clive, were sitting there, and uh, I think they were having some tea or whatever. And remember, this is like six a.m., you know, and I'm just barely awake, just rolled out of bed to go get food to go back to sleep, and I'm walking down the footpath, and as I'm going by the gazebo, and they're like, Zach. Good evening. And I, I looked at him and I go, um, yeah, good morning, like that. And then they just busted out laughing, just cackling. And then they were like, it's funny because it's morning. And I was like, oh, I get it. It's just stupid as hell. <laughs> and they think would just torment me with these crazy jokes. <laughs> like, just like the etiquette of the thing in, 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 subverting that was the hilarity of it it's like and I, I remember just being so just like yes you're just subverting the time of day and it, i you would think that it was the funniest joke you'd ever heard and now looking back on it i laugh at it but it was at the time it's like 6 a.m you're you're getting humor out of messing up the time of day it's just <laughs> such a crazy moment Sounds like you had a bunch of stories that could be told from yeah, that time period. I've got a, quite a few. I miss some of those days are pretty fun. Some of them are pretty, pretty not fun. So, you know, I mean, that's the thing. And you do that kind of work, or you're in that kind of environment, uh, and it sort of forms your personality, and it forms your perspective on a lot of things. And then uh, the good thing about it is, like I tell people, is like, well, I definitely will be somewhat interesting in places uh, uh, just because I have a couple of stories I can pull out of my, uh, from my sleeve. 
But anyway, yeah, so... So the weather. <laughs> Back to the weather and the Ugg boots. But yeah, um, you know, hopefully this this won't last too much longer. I mean, it's just February. I mean, I shouldn't be complaining too much. Well, it's funny how, like, we get so superior to the weather, and it's like, well, you're in the throes of winter. Like, maybe we should chill it out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just... They had to tease us with that little bit of just... I don't mind so much, because I, I, I have a tendency to enjoy the the cold. I'm a big, a little bit bigger dude, so, like, uh, I enjoy the cold. I enjoy the fashion of the... I like coats, mm-hmm. big wool coats and things, so... It's something I get to enjoy. Being kind of in the northern part of Alabama, you sort of have to contend with the weather going from... You know, the 80s to the 20s, snow, no snow, completely frozen, desolation, to arid, you know. <laughs> and all the wild things shutting down. Mm-hmm. For nothing. <laughs> For nothing. Well, it always does that. Yeah. I mean, we're just not, we're not a, a, a people that are prepared to deal well, with snow. And I ice. mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense for us, for our local governments and state government to buy all that equipment when it rarely happens. And I like that. It's like it's actually more cost effective to shut down the economy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a backwards way of thinking, I think. What's funny is the 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 town that I live in, I'm not from this town, but that's where I currently live, uh, they actually made news, uh or national news because the police chief uh put on Facebook using the police department when all the snow hit us a couple weeks back he said some he posted something like you know due to the inclement weather uh all crime and doing stupid things is canceled for the time being mm-hmm. and it made it to like the i don't know new york daily news and right was on fox news cnn all those different sites and stuff so yeah <laughs> you know alabama is usually the butt of the weather jokes so Sometimes it's better just to take it on, mm-hmm. you know, be the butt first. So, I know we said that we were going to begin reading Name of the Wind. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I I guess uh, you and I are both kind of into it a little bit. Yeah, we're, um... Well, we don't have to necessarily talk about it today. We're just going to kind of give you an overview of what we plan on doing, if that's... yeah. Yeah, so uh, if if as long as um, you all are into it, uh, we'll uh, probably go over the first 100 pages uh, next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that should give everybody um, um, plenty of time, you mm-hmm. know, 10 pages a day. 10 pages a day, not too terrible. And then we're going to continue on this path of doing it bi-weekly. That yeah. way this doesn't necessarily become a book club. Uh and we can just sort of ramble on about other things, but then we have an opportunity to kind of, you know, come together as a community of readers as well as pipe smokers. I, I just don't see there being a separation between me smoking a pipe and reading a book. No, definitely not. That I mean, there's so many things like pipe pipe smoking can be the main event, but it's very much. I think it's very happy being. Uh, you know the the uh, secondary uh, action 
you know, reading a book while smoking a pipe, uh, hiking, smoking a pipe, just taking a stroll, um, heck, playing, playing video games. I do enjoy the complimentary nature of tobacco. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you guys like, you know, get your pipes out during the week, get your copy of, uh, Name of the Wind and start reading it. And, um, you know, if you have to, you can break it out a little bit. You don't have to listen to the, <laughs> the podcast as they're being posted up and you can catch up as you'd like. Yeah. But I think that's something that we'd like to do is start discussing some things like that and sort of mulling through them at a pace that, you know, you guys can read effectively and keep up with us and maybe even, you know, send us some suggestions or questions uh, on what we can talk about uh, for the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, um, and we'll probably interlace those off weeks with maybe some short stories. Maybe. <clears throat> Do something like that. Yeah, you know. And we'll always, after we talk about, you know, the subject of that week, we'll always sort of say, you know, well, we're going to go to this point next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's something y'all, uh, y'all are into. Just feel free to, to tag along. Yeah. Um, I think uh, this week we do have a uh, pipe of the week. Let me see here. It is from, uh, well, here, I'll let you... I'll let you take a take a read of it, Zach. All right. So uh, this uh, pipe of the week is brought to you by Cascadian Piper. Um, he has taken a picture here of, um, I guess, a five mile lunt, as he says. A lunt being a the old English term come out in the twenties for smoking and walking. Is it not? Can you tell me this? I think it's it's. It's like from the 1700s. 1700s, okay. Yeah, wow. and I know you have to look up, look up a little bit more, but I think Cascadian, he's he's known for putting a lot about the lunting, mm-hmm. lunting. But yeah, I think it's I think it comes from the word uh, like to to strike or to match, but it's used for you know smoking pipe while strolling. So he's got a nice uh, bent bones pipe, and a bones pipe for you guys that don't know is a very bare bones pipe.
while for our uh, our show to get on every platform, but I believe it is on most all of them now. It is on Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, Stitcher, and some others. Uh, uh, so if you need any, like, if you don't, if you can't find it on whatever you use, just reach out to us and we'll... I believe, interestingly enough, the, the, the app we use is Anchor, mm-hmm. and it actually got purchased by Spotify. Last oh, did week. it? Yep. Uh, I don't think it changes the application. I still think they kind of serve the same purpose, but they might actually bring up a couple more features and make it a little bit more robust because it's going to yeah. go right into the Spotify platform. Okay, that's cool. So, And... Uh, uh, because you could always, what was interesting about this app is you could add in music that you could get from Spotify, mm-hmm. except that that music won't transfer over when it gets published out to like Apple. So like you lose some stuff if you do it that way. Um, but uh, and then also a uh, more uh, relatively new thing is we uh, we will have the episodes up on YouTube. And uh, uh, yeah, we'll have them up on YouTube for you to watch and. You know, maybe eventually we'll dive into the, uh, we'll dive into you actually seeing our faces. Yeah, um, the wonderful world of videography. Yes, but I gotta, I gotta, I tell you, man, I, I do have a face for radio, though. <laughs> <laughs> and, that is uh, the worst old timer joke. Ever. That is, and I, I have, <laughs> I have the voice of a novel, the voice for a novel, a voice for a novel. Yeah, which really they don't make. I guess it's not too bad now since there's audiobooks. Yeah. Actually, you know, that's the thing, though. When you speak, I'm like, you know what would be better for you? The written word. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like, you know, we record these on Friday nights. It looks like old Matches 860 is live right now. Man, I love watching that guy. He's good. Good guy. He's like one of those dudes you just want uh, just to take a little time. Smoke a pipe with him and just listen to him. He's got, you know, you talk about uh, a voice. Uh, that guy's got it, you know. Mm-hmm. Kind of a New Englandy kind of northern accent that just sort of rolls through his sentences. I like it, man. He's a he's a he has some good reviews and some, you know, just pipe a little, talk a little. I enjoy it. I've been following him for a long time. I guess I'm sort of a uh, YouTube pipe community lurker, really, if you get down to it. Um, a lurker. Uh, London Calling does some live, mm. uh, some live feeds too on Saturdays, mm-hmm. I think. And some every once in a while, I'll, I'll I'll just sort of lurk. I don't really participate in any way. Maybe we can start doing it through our uh, the Pipecast channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want to find it on YouTube, it is. Uh, I think Pipecast was taken, so it is piped down. A Pipecast production. Yeah, Pipe Down, a Pipecast production. Um, a little wordy, but uh, I think everyone will get the point <laughs> since yeah. this is Pipecast. So. Yeah, and, and you know, eventually, you know, you might see some tobacco reviews. You know, that's the thing. It's a couple of people that we know have mentioned that maybe we should start reviewing some of the tobacco we smoke because we, we have a tendency just to kind of glaze through it. They, some people want a little bit more detail that are kind of listening in, so, you know, we'll probably try to oblige and bring to uh, bring to the world of pipe smoking what it already has too much of. 
just another opinion about a, about a tobacco blend. But we'll keep those probably pretty short. It'll be something just sort of experimental. Uh, I think Patrick and I discussed the fact that we'll we'll smoke one blend together and then just have a back and forth about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it might become something that we just, like I said, just drop on a Tuesday or something like that. Yeah, something something in between the, the actual episodes mm-hmm. to, to tide y'all over. Because we like, we like just talking. Yeah, as you can tell. We like to talk uh, a good bit, um, probably when we shouldn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. But um, but yeah. So uh, so yeah. Be looking for those. Be looking for the the reviews. Uh, and um, yeah, we'll be sure to link them. There'll always be some kind of Instagram thing. It just it's. I know I've said it before, but it just sort of baffles me that Instagram is how we've been able to. Uh, um, get a footing, I guess. A small footing. Yeah. Uh, some people seem to be returning. Yeah. To yeah. some of our, uh, some of our little episodes. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, it is. It is, and you know, it, I think it's just the pipe community is such a good community. It's a sharing community, and everybody enjoys sharing it amongst one another. Um. But um. To slide away from uh, the pipes for a little bit. Uh, I know you know we've talked about Lovecraft, we've talked about Tolkien a couple of times, but we're gonna dive a little bit into some uh, some um, I guess a different genre a little bit. Mm-hmm. We you you fellas and gals know that we um, you know we're we're writers <laughs> or we, we try to be at least or at least mm-hmm. I do. Uh, as I used to joke with Zach, I'm a creative typer, not necessarily a writer. Um, but w- what's interesting is we definitely have different viewpoints on. Uh, I think we've talked about it a little bit before, but we have different viewpoints on uh, on you know how stories go. Mm-hmm. We're similar in a lot of ways, but you know, um, I'm more of a uh, cinematic. Uh, like I, I want my stories to feel like you're watching a movie more so than anything. Um, probably just because I should I should have I should have went to school to be a director or a cinematographer or something. Um, but uh, and then Zach, you're just you're a little bit more character driven, which that's something I'm trying to work on because I think characters do carry the story more than anything. Uh, I mean, you can have the best story in the world, but if your characters aren't aren't up to snuff, then um, it's sort of like a waste of time. Um, and uh, I sort of say all that to uh, <laughs> to say this. Um, Zach's wife, she loves the Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. And me and my girlfriend started watching them. And my girlfriend doesn't like TV shows. She's like, uh, not too much. She don't like how they just drag on and on. But she got hooked uh, into the Gilmore Girls. And I was, you know, I was just along for the ride. <laughs> um, but... What I found interesting is... <laughs> Gilmore Girls seem like an instant catnip for your girlfriend or significant other. Like, it really does. Yeah. Yeah. But what I what I think I, I really enjoy... So, most of the time, I'm, I, I like shows that cut to the chase. I don't really care for filler. So, like, on the channel that Gilmore Girls came on, uh, you know, the CW, you know, you have shows like The Flash, um, Arrow, all those DC TV shows... Uh, supernatural things like that, and 
you know, and it, it feels like it all started with Smallville. <laughs> Smallville was like the, unless there was one before that that I'm not aware of, maybe Buffy, I don't know which one came before or the other. Um, but it was very much, it's 22 episodes a season, 20 to 22 episodes a season. There's a lot of filler, you know, it's, it's a, and then the, those middle episodes start getting in a little lull and they just repeat themselves over and over again, Monster of the Week, things like that. Um, so like when you watch something, let's just say Arrow, uh, but then you go to uh, the Netflix show Daredevil uh, and it's 13 episodes and it's, it, it's more condensed, less fluff, less filler. It's very refreshing. But I will have to say this. We watched all seven seasons of the original Gilmore Girls and then watched Netflix's miniseries, uh, A Year in the Life. Um, and, uh, you, you know, when you go from doing 22 episodes a season to doing just four, uh, you know, hour, hour and a half, hour, 45 minute episodes, um, of course, there's going to be a little bit more cut to the chase, which naturally, like I've said, I, I, I enjoy that. I think that's better. Um, but I'll have to say, I think I was a little, uh, I guess, disapp not disappointed. I think it was a really good, a really well done show by Netflix. It, it was it was very good, but the characters of that show, you know, not just the main characters, the, the recurring and the, the guests and all the, the townsfolk, they, um, they brought a lot to the show for me. Uh, they made me feel like that's a cool place to be. And it, they just were not there as much in the, the new, which again, like I said, it makes sense because they were trying to cut to the chase more because you had less time to do it. But it just seems like Gilmore Girls knew how to fill that filler better because it, it, it dove into characters and made you like the characters so it didn't feel so much as filler. Um, like I said, so that was, that was just more about me just saying how, you know, I, I continually change my mind on certain things, <laughs> um, so to speak. I know, uh, like I said, Zach's wife, likes uh the Gilmore Girls and you uh I guess didn't care too much for it but you, you you more like the Netflix version uh yeah I mean I'm not a I'm not a fan of Gilmore Girls at all I feel like you know like if you know anything about me I usually cut to the chase about things uh and I I find that the characters are vapid flat and mm -hmm. they seem to find themselves in the worst situation and then compound their situation by making even dumber decisions and they never pay for them in any sort of real consequence. Yeah. Um, and I, I just can't stand them. Also, I hate the dialogue because they speak really rapidly. Yeah. So it seems like middle schoolers putting on a play as opposed to, uh, you know, actual conversation where there's pauses and, you know, someone can have a lilt or like there's ups and downs or, you know, it's just it's this this really contrived just blah 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 and then their response is blah 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 and it's just like hey, you're not even breathing at this point yeah yeah so i really not a fan of that because i just feel like it just came off as really fake um and like i said there was no it never seemed like there was a consequence to any of their actions which i don't like and i can't speak for every episode because i never watched it i sort of just just walk away when it came on but um the new season of Gilmore Girls, um, the Netflix version. Um, my wife wanted to watch it. There wasn't a lot of room to escape. I have not a very large house. 
So I just said, oh, you know what? It's four episodes. I'll watch them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, loved it. And it's because every action had a reaction and like all their silly and maybe dumb decisions, you know, had a consequence. So you're actually seeing characters who never suffered anything actually go through all this turmoil and suffering at once. And it was kind of cathartic watching things that I didn't like kind of get their comeuppance. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that's the way I feel about that. I mean, I guess maybe, like, uh, it was a good dose of, like, Schrodenfreude, or whatever, Schrodenfreude. That's that word that's, uh, you know, pleasure from the suffering of others. So <laughs> that's pretty much how I feel about it. Like, that's one thing the Germans gave me is that word, Schrodenfreude, or Schrodenfreude. Uh, yeah, I, I do... <laughs> I do enjoy the <laughs> suffering of characters who deserve it, I guess. And they're technically are fictional, so it's like, yeah, who cares? But yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, finally, giving a little comeuppance for your silly actions. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's just one of those things. You know, I just don't identify really well with CW characters, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just like, it's just poor production and just silly actions. So, you know, yeah. That's why, you know, that, that was the first thing I noticed when I turned on the new one. It was, again, since I come at it from more of a cinematic idea. Uh, I mean, it, it, I mean, you could tell it was, it was better production. I mean, it, it looked good. I mean, it still felt, you know, same world, everything, but so like, much better. You know, I don't think they're like, you know, I don't think it's bad if you watch it. or I'm not saying, I'm not bad-mouthing. It's just not my cup of tea, so, you know. But I'm going to be honest about my opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a new show. The the I think the lady who created Gilmore Girls came out with a new show called Marvelous Miss Maisie, which is about a female comic in the '60s, during the sort of Lenny Bruce kind of era of comics, you know. Um, and it's absolutely terrible too. Uh, just, <laughs> it's just like it's really pretty though. It's a really pretty show. Everything looks very '60s, and it's very interesting. But it is just terrible dialogue terrible situations that seems like never pays off because there's always some sort of duex machina that gets them out of it and I can't handle it. So it's that's, a, that's just my opinion. It's an Amazon original, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah, Amazon knows how to fund their shows though. Yeah, they um what's funny is <laughs> I love uh Hercule Poirot stories and, and movies and uh I watch uh I've watched a lot of them growing up with my parents and you know we we really love the the ones from PBS. Um, I think it was I watched them on PBS. I guess it was, they were like BBC. Models. Yeah, like yeah. uh, sendovers, right? I think so. Uh, and it had David Suchet in it, uh, Suchet, uh, and and that's Perot for me. You know, shorter fellow, little little um, tubby uh, with that little mustache. Um, you know, that's that is Perot for me, and. Uh, um, and then, of course, there was Murder on the Orient, which, um, you know, wasn't the best movie, but I did enjoy, um, well, I mean, I love Kenneth Branagh, so um, I did enjoy Kenneth Branagh. Hopefully he will make more Perot movies, because I, I really found that nice. Um, and he was vindicated because my mother liked it, so uh, that's all you need to know. But uh, <laughs> uh, but what's funny is Amazon has just come out with uh, a series called the ABC Murders, which is my favorite uh, Hercule Poirot story. Uh, story um but the funny thing is my mother cannot stand john malkovich and john malkovich is playing Perot. and i sent her the i sent her the uh, trailer that i'm like well 
look at this. <laughs> I think she's still going to give it a go, of course. Um, but it is it is interesting to see what she thinks of it. And what's funny is, it's you can still tell it's Malkovich, like the way he talks. It's still the way he talks, but he's putting an accent on it. It's pretty funny. I haven't watched an episode yet, but I am very intrigued by that. Um, if uh, ABC Murders, I don't know. It, it, Maybe it's not that original. Maybe it was original at the time, but it, it's just very interesting. It's, from what I remember, it's just a killer who uh, is killing people. Uh, he's going down the alphabet in the phone book. Uh, he killed like a somebody that first and last name was A A, and then he killed somebody that's B B, and then C C, and then he's working his way down. So you got to solve the solve it before he, you know, once they figure out the pattern, they they sort of solve it. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, the one thing I liked about those BBC production perros, they're mysteries, but you really can't solve them the way that they're filmed or the way that they're told. It's, um, they, you know, they purposely leave out things. So it's not like a mystery where you're gonna, or like, well, I think this person did it. Which, I mean, you definitely can do and you can get it right, but it's more than likely just a, a lucky guess. Right. Because there's usually like some kind of clue that the camera did not reveal. But that the that the character did uh, stumble upon, um, which hey. I you know I like. Yeah, I mean like, the way people analyze things now. I mean, maybe they were like this too back when they produced those original Garou films. But I, you know, sometimes I like a little mystery, a little revelation at the end that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I do too. I I really would like to. Write a mystery story. I think mysteries are the, I guess probably my favorite type of story. They're good. They always seem to be sometimes like some of the best mysteries. I don't remember who said this or was writing it, but they discussed like that great novels are things that sort of you take an idea and you cover another idea with it so like harry potter for instance uh we'll, we'll just discuss the first one harry potter and the i think philosopher's stone in britain it was the philosopher's stone it was the sorcerer's stone sorcerer's stone okay so in that one what it is is it's it's a mystery wrapped in a fantasy mm -hmm. so the veneer of the story is a fantasy it's 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 witches it's the spectacle of the school and all this other stuff kind of has a chosen one kind of aspect to it but ultimately it's a mystery they're running down a mystery for the whole thing and mm -hmm. i think that's pretty fascinating that you can actually morph uh genres into something else and in reality like you could strip away the fantasy veneer and you know it would still just be a mystery just a plain yeah. and simple mystery and I, and i'm and if i'm thinking of it i might not be thinking all of it but the second one is still that too mm -hmm. uh, and i think it definitely the stories do evolve the the later on it gets in the series but definitely the first two are very much mysteries um uh and i think uh marvel uh movie they do a good job of being able to do that a little bit um ant-man's you know it's a heist movie disguised as a superhero movie um or a heist comedy kind of disguised as a superhero movie um my my favorite of all those, the Winter Soldier, is like a political thriller. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you know, if you get down to it, and um, 
you know, I think they, they usually find a good way to do that. Um, uh, it'll be interesting if they can keep it going. But uh, Well, it's good that they don't, because, I mean, like, that's the problem that a lot of other studios have. They, they so, solely focus on the hero aspect, and that's not necessarily what's driving people to the theater. I think maybe with the Avengers, it could possibly be the spectacle of the thing. It's just such a big production that everyone's there. You know, it's sort of the 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 all-star game of film. Yeah. But, you know, the other studios, uh, like, like Venom, it's not really anything. It's just Venom. And they're banking, Sony, I guess in this case, was banking on it, making money because it's Venom. Mm-hmm. But it, and it did. It just was a terrible movie. I have yet to waste my time watching it. <laughs> it's it's not it's not really good. It's it's actually surprisingly bad. Cause it, what it reminded me of actually was like sort of the early like it reminded me of the the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie, mm-hmm. where it's just like what am I watching? Yeah, see that's the thing. Marvel, um, I think learned its lesson early through the other studios. Through Fox, through Sony, they they in uh, Universal they learned their lesson, so that when they came out with Iron Man, they were just like, well, we know that we gotta sell it on something more. Now, granted, Iron Man, I don't know what else what what, what you could say it is. It's just it's just a clean origin story uh, with a charismatic um, uh, protagonist, but um. Um, Once again, Iron Man is is it's one of that 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 old kind of debate that you and I have. It's 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 relatively tight story, but it's character driven. The whole thing is, and an origin story sort of has to be character driven because you have to get behind that character because you're going to be dealing with him and his rise to the, or her rise through the entire story. Mm-hmm. And see, they a lot of people didn't like it, or I, well, I thought people liked this movie. The one I'm about to say. But apparently the other day they said that people didn't like it as much, but the original, or the the, the Doctor Strange, by the Scott Derrickson one, you know, it was very much an Iron Man. It, you know, it, it took a lot from Iron Man in a way, the, the way it became an origin story. But I don't part, I, I, I enjoyed it uh, just as much, if not more, than Iron Man. Well, I think people are just a little tired of having to go through the whole rigmarole of the origin story. Which Marvel said they weren't going to do any more origin stories, but then they did Doctor Strange. Or maybe right around the time Doctor Strange came out, they said, well, we're not going to do any more. And you saw that because they introduced uh, two new characters in a movie that weren't even their own movie. They introduced Spider-Man and Black Panther and Captain America Civil War before they had their own movies. You can almost have like kind of a sidebar story where it's sort of at least illustrates well i mean spider-man literally had no origin so you know good for them you know they're changing the time. they're changing i guess yeah because i mean everybody knows everybody knows who spider-man is how he became who he was and so right it was a smart move on their part and to make him a kid or a teenager smart moves mm-hmm. tell you man like oh there's nothing quite like just smoking tobacco you know the uh, that's I think a huge problem with my addiction to it is that 
it sort of never lets me down. I mean, I'm sure, like, if I die from cancer, that will be the time that tobacco lets me down. But ultimately, <laughs> like, it's there when you're down. It's there when you're up. Warm weather, cold weather, breakup, or happily ever after. Um, it's been with me when I was alone, and it's been with me in some of my greatest conversations. I mean, like, I, I can map some of the best conversations I've ever had, and there's always a cigarette or something in my mouth. Mm. <laughs> and there's just something to it. I don't know what it is. There's an ease to it. There's an ease. There was an ease to doing that on a 15-minute break after work or, uh, you know, walking out at 4 o'clock on a Friday uh, from your job and lighting a cigarette. And a cigarette sort of symbolizing the weekend or, <laughs> you know, like uh, getting out of that last exam. I mean, that, those kinds of things seem to freeze frame themselves and project them you know project those ideas on tobacco and I think that's where I'm sort of hamstringed a little bit because I can't break the identity I've given to tobacco to the ease that I feel when I'm smoking <laughs> I um I can't relate <laughs> I can understand I can't relate yet I mean I'm if you didn't grow up around, or, you know, if your formative years weren't, you know, surrounded by puffing something, yeah, cigars, cigarettes, a pipe, or a hookah, whatever, like, it is, it's difficult to relate. People who are late bloomers, they're kind of like, oh, it was, you know, it was this or that, or my grandfather, Tolkien, or whatever, but, you know, I think... People who come over from the cigarette side probably have a deeper passion for it oh, yeah. because it's so ingrained in them that, like, you know, it, it, to be relaxing. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I did not come. I mean, some of my family members did smoke, but the the main household I was in, my, I don't know, we're, me and my dad are sort of similar a little bit, but my dad's a pretty <laughs> cheaper guy. Um, he uh. He used to say something about he said it. He said the same analogy or same statement about cigarettes and fireworks. He said you might as well just roll up a five dollar bill and smoke it. My dad said the same thing. He goes, "Why well, buy fireworks? I can just go out and burn a hundred dollar bill." Yeah. And I was like, a hundred dollar bill doesn't blast off into <laughs> colorful blooms in the sky." <laughs> yeah. I was like, if you want to burn a hundred dollar bill, why don't you go down the street and buy me some fireworks? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, don't give me that crap analogy. Like, the hundred dollar bill is not doing anything for me. <laughs> and like, I, and I, I, wait, I know, I know you know this, but I, I guess it's just that watching a spectacle of fireworks doesn't do anything for you, really. Now it, it does emotionally, and that might be where you know the difference between the our the parent the the people that are our parents' age, the people that are our age. You know, it goes cyclical. You know, things like that. Sometimes people care more about the physical, the con, the con, the concrete things. Some people have more pull on the uh, abstract things. And, you know, watching a bunch of fireworks. Um, it absolutely doesn't mean that at all. What it means is, is that <laughs> one day I'm going to have a five-year-old kid and I'm going to have bills and he's going to be like, let's go shoot fireworks. And I'm going to be like, I might as well burn a $100 bill. <laughs> and what I'm not telling him is, it's like, I got to buy chicken breasts this week. You can't tell that to a kid. You got to make it seem stupid. You got to sell them on another idea. 
Because there's no way I'm going to go down to the corner store and buy a bunch of fireworks for 100 bucks or whatever and then be like, yeah, you're going hungry this week. Oh, no, we blew up all your food. <laughs> but, no, yeah, so I I definitely didn't come from uh, uh, too much of a cigarette so I, uh, or a smoking family. I mean, my dad didn't even uh, smoke cigars or anything like that. Now, mm. my grandfather, he... He made some pipes, and uh, wow! Is there any way you can get a hold of those? I'd have to find them. I don't know where they're at. <laughs> now that would be something to find. And you need to go find them pipes and, and come in here and show and tell. I'm, yeah, well, I have to get one of the uncles up. But uh, but yeah, it wasn't that big of a thing, and uh, so so you guys hit him up with a hashtag Patrick's Pappy's Pipes. Patrick's Pappy's Pipes. The PPP, not um, Peterson's Perfect Club. <laughs> um, but, no, yeah, so I'm definitely coming at it, which, I mean, I'm not saying one way is better than the other. Believe me, I'm not. Um, but I'm, I'm very happy that I am coming at it from the direction I am. Because um, I'm not really a big cigarette smoker. I mean, I smoked some, like in college, uh, here and there, I never was like a, you know, I was never, like, I would say addicted. I was never just a regular smoker. I probably went through two packs of cigarettes through four years of college. Mm. Maybe maybe smoked three cigars. Went to two, two packs of cigarettes during two days of college. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I mean, uh, but so I'm really coming at this. Uh, fully at a uh, just the love of the tobacco. Um, oh, like the first segment. Love of tobacco is pretty strong. Well, I guess I mean, it's the love of the taste is what I'm getting at. Well, I mean, it's it's yeah. the whole thing. Man. Yeah. I mean, you can't get past the fact that you were you were doing, um, you know, more than just like I said, it's a ritual. Mm -hmm. There. are tea rituals in Japan that are not as complex as smoking a pipe. Mm -hmm. You have the perfect pipe, the perfect blend, the perfect hour, the perfect drink, the perfect literature, the perfect conversation. In a way, I mean, it's all preparation. But, uh, you know, I think that there is sort of a zen in the art of pipe smoking. Oh, yeah. For, for me, it is so much ritual. Uh, it's, you know, so much it's uh, getting the right pipe. Picking the right blend. I think I've said it before, but you know, sometimes the pipe, the, the pipe dictates the blend. Sometimes the blend dictates the pipe. Whatever you're in the mood for. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, like I said, I'm a big re researcher, and uh, pipe smoking tobacco was such a, a good thing to to get into. Because there's so much. Yeah. Well, it definitely lends itself to research. Yeah. So many, oh man, so many pipe shapes. Blends. Blends. Where you can grow the pipe, tobacco, uh, just or the leaf, the tobacco leaf, uh, you know, toppings, casings, mm -hmm, traditions, mm -hmm. different, you know, essences. Um, to go back to blends, confusing names, mm -hmm. <laughs> learning the, the ins and outs of the difference between a Balkan and an English. 
I try as I might, I think I've actually gotten to the end of this, even though it doesn't want to smoke any more than just ash. Mm. I actually was able to pull a lot out of old, old Stumpy boy. Old Stumpy. Uh, I think it's just because... I think it's just because Boswell makes a mean pipe. Yeah, well, yeah definitely. But I also got to give credit to Peretti. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it, it, was a, it, was, it was a real thick flake. Mm-hmm. And I, ru I rubbed it out and loaded in, but it, it maybe it needed a little bit more drying time. But maybe that's why it's going this long. I don't know. It's a perfect crossroad between Pennsylvania and Massachusetts. <laughs> Rubbed that. <laughs> that was so not crossed between Pennsylvania and Massachusetts. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so hope you enjoyed this. Again, check us out on any way you get your podcast. Check YouTube if you want to, you know, if that's your forte. Um, and look for uh, some reviews in the future. And uh, read some Name of the Wind by Patrick Rossfuss whenever you get a chance if you want to tag along with us. Yeah. So Until next time, we'll see you at the top of the bowl. This has been a Pipecast production. And we hope to see you at the next full bowl. <laughs> <laughs>